This is The Purpose Podcast, Episode 2. You're listening to The Purpose Podcast, where our goal is to help you grow through inspirational stories from amazing people who live and work all around the world. For more information about the interviews you're hearing, please visit thepurposepodcast.com. And now, here's your host, Brian Gay. Welcome, everybody, back to The Purpose Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. And we've got a great episode lined up for you. Today, we're interviewing missionary Jesse Powell. Jesse's actually a native of Alabama, uh, grew up in Tallahassee, and then moved to Arizona and worked in uh, insurance there for a while, came back home, and then, well, you'll hear the rest of the story here in the interview in just a minute. But needless to say, he's now a church planning catalyst and doing amazing things there. So I really hope that you'll enjoy this interview with Jesse Powell. Um, I've learned a lot about him and just uh, best practices of how churches can be more involved in helping church planners in their work. Uh, Jesse is actually living the life himself. They have uh, taken on foster care as a ministry. And so it's really exciting to hear how, how God's blessing them and how we can pray for them in that area. So I hope that you will enjoy this episode. I know I certainly enjoyed the interview and without further ado, here is Jesse Powell. All right. Well, I'm really excited right now to have Jesse Powell on the line, and Jesse's one of the guys that's going to be coming for our, our GIC this coming February. And Jesse, welcome to the Purpose Podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, I think I just want to start off by uh, telling us why don't where is it that you grew up? I grew up uh, in Tallahassee, Alabama. Actually, out on Redland Road between Tallahassee and Watumka, and I uh, graduated from Tallahassee High School. And uh, really spent um, up until I guess I was in my early 20s, um, a part of um, Southern Baptist churches there that are affiliated with the Elmore, Elmore County uh, Association. Wow. Now, wh- when was that? Like, put a date on it. When did you actually graduate? I graduated from Tallahassee in 2001. And uh, okay. then I went to, went to Troy and I attended college there. Okay. Well, um, to make some family connections here, I know you know my wife, Christy Gay. I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were at Tallahassee, uh, the same time for just a year there at the high school. But, uh, yeah, I, I know her, I've, I've known her family, uh, for quite some time, just being, uh, connected with, with the Elmore Baptist Association and, uh, great people. And, uh, yeah, glad to know them and call them friends. I love it. So, now, um, so help us out a little bit, because right now you're not living in Alabama anymore. Where is it that you are serving now? I am in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, so it's it's a little bit warm here. We're we're expecting <laughs> record heat this weekend. Uh, I keep checking it on my phone. It says between 118 and 120 on mm-hmm. uh, Sunday and Monday, but it's a dry heat, so Wow. Uh, of course, it makes a little difference. But <laughs> yeah, and of course, when we're recording this here in the middle of summer, that that's going to make it pretty hot at that time, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, well, that's I mean, that's that's a little ways away away from from Tallahassee, Alabama. So, how how is it that you you came to serve there? Like, what what was it that caused you to want to go to to Phoenix? Well, it it really goes back several years uh, when I was a student at Troy University. I uh, got uh, connected with the the Baptist Campus Ministries there. And, uh, and, and there was always a focus to do, uh, to use our summers to, to go on mission trips. And, uh, and so I was kind of in that mindset of, Hey, when it's summer, it's time to work. 
one job, maybe two jobs, three jobs, make as much money as I could during the summer. Uh, but after my sophomore year, I uh, decided to do uh, summer missions and I ended up uh, really, I'd wanted to go uh, to Yellowstone National Park and uh, through a, a North American Mission Board program called Innovators. And I was disappointed when they assigned me to the Grand Canyon. And that program was basically... Uh, you're assigned a job inside the park. And when you work inside the park, you're allowed to live inside the park. And so ended up being assigned to the Grand Canyon. And so I spent the summer, that was my first time, I think, even being probably west of the Mississippi. So it was culture shock for me. Uh, but I spent the summer at the Grand Canyon, uh, ended up meeting um, a young lady who is now my wife. And so um Anyway, so I, but but that summer really, I think God impressed upon me the need for uh, for churches and, and believers to uh, to journey west. Um, there's just not a lot of churches out here. There's not a lot of believers, and so uh, at that point, I really had no intention of going into any type of vocational ministry or missions. But God really used that to begin, I think, to to draw me to this part of the world. Uh, so anyway, when I went back to Troy, finished up there moved out here to Phoenix, uh, took a job working in insurance. And uh, after about a year and a half, we, we got married. And then the cost of living out here was just so high. We moved back to Alabama. And uh, a couple of years after we moved back to Alabama, uh, God called me into vocational ministry and opened a door for me to begin serving with a local church. And then uh, over time, God began to call me towards church planting and being involved in church planting wasn't really sure how that would look, and then uh, opened the door to to come on board with the North American Mission Board, where I now serve as a church planting catalyst. Uh, so I'm not actually planting a church, but I work with with guys who do, and I also work with uh, established churches out here, and, and just trying to cultivate um, just a, a mindset of church planting. Wow, that's really awesome. So so went from basically never having gone, like you said, west of the Mississippi to to now living, working, breathing out in Phoenix, Arizona, in the in the hot summer heat <laughs> as, as we record this recording, yeah. that that's really awesome. I actually came out of uh, insurance world myself after college. I went to and worked in the insurance world for a little while and um, did ministry kind of bivocationally for a bit too. So I can I can definitely relate to what that's like. Yeah. And it seems like God calls a lot of people out of insurance. So if you're listening to this right now and you're in the insurance world, maybe God's calling you to be a church planner. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, that's really cool that, that God led you down that, that path. So, and you, you use the word catalyst. So like what, what does a church planning catalyst really do? Like, what do you do on a day to day basis? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that as I was exploring this job, I actually went to, to one of their, uh, church planning catalyst, uh, CPCs for short. If I, if I use that term, that's, that's what I'm, what I mean. Uh, I went to one of their training kind of, uh, three day training events and my, my really only goal at going was to try to find out what does this job look like on a day to day basis. And what I quickly found out is there really is not, one answer because uh, you've got guys doing this job in all different cities and different parts of different cities. And so really you go in with, with more of a missionary mindset. And, but our job, um, I guess, is to really simplify it is, is to mobilize church planters and, and partner churches. And so uh, it's to help identify uh, people that God may be calling to plant a church and uh, help introduce them to the city if they're not from here. 
kind of show them some of the areas where we're looking uh, to plant churches, which means that part of my job is to know uh, the different areas. Uh, and Phoenix is such a diverse city. I mean, there's the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor, and, and they all live, you know, in, in all different places. And so it's to try to find out, you know, um, just the demographics of the different areas and what type of churches would work in different places. And so have an understanding of the city, uh, work with, with these guys who feel called to come plant churches, uh, help them through the process of, of identifying uh, ascending church and walking through the assessment process and the training and mentoring. Uh, and then, you know, we, we work with them for, for the first handful of years as a church plant. Uh, but also we work with existing churches. We, you know, we're constantly talking with them uh, about being involved in church planting. Uh, it, it's, it's better to have more churches that, that are willing to come on board and, and support a church plant financially, uh, just support them with prayer and, and encouragement and so really it's just to create um, an environment of, that's uh, conducive to church planting. And so uh, I really enjoy it, get to work with some incredible guys that God has called out here and, and some really great pastors who, um, who have a heart for the kingdom. And, and they realize that, that one day they're going to stand before God and, and he's not just going to ask them how many they had on Sunday morning, but he's going to ask them how they led their church to, to invest in the kingdom, both locally and globally. Wow. And what would you say is your, like your biggest challenge, um, that you faced in, in helping to do this? I mean, it sounds like a massive task, so I'm sure there've been a lot of challenge, but you know, can you kind of pick out one, what's been maybe one of, one of the biggest challenges that you faced in, in having that task? Well, I, I think, uh, I think helping the existing churches to understand how much of a need there is, uh, to be involved and to support church planting, uh, NAM's renewed focus on church planting, you know, that strategy, the Sin North America strategy has been in place long enough that I think a lot of the low hanging fruit has kind of been picked. And so a lot of the churches that are receptive to helping plant churches, they've already kind of been tapped out. Like we've, I feel like we go back to the same churches over and over and say, Hey, we've got another church planter. Would you mind, uh, jumping on board and being a partner? And we really have, but it's really a very small percentage of our churches right now that are engaged in supporting church plants. And so, uh, you know, it, it's obviously a challenge sometimes to find qualified guys who are ready to hit the ground running and plant a church. But but really one, one of my biggest focuses right now is identifying who are these churches that, that are healthy, um, who can come on board and, and begin supporting church planters. Wow. You know, with those churches that are currently supporting, obviously ours has been one of those and, and, and would highly recommend it, you know, that this has been a great way to connect with missionaries across the United States who are just doing the work out there on the edge, on the frontier. But um, what have you seen maybe as like a best practice, you know, for those churches that are doing a, a really good job? Um, are they doing something extra? Obviously, there's the financial support, which is a really important piece. But what else are these churches doing that kind of makes them stand out as a best practice when supporting a, a church planner? Yeah, the financial thing is obviously uh, the big one. And a lot of times that's what, you know, that's what church planters tend to uh, appreciate. And that's what they want to know is how much money can you help me out with? But, uh, you know, the, the churches that, that are really doing this well, I think they what they've done a good job of is casting the vision to their own people far beyond just the staff. Um, I think oftentimes uh, there's decisions that, that may be made among the staff or just among the church leadership that, hey, here's, 
um, here's an initiative or here's a ministry or here's somebody that we should support. And, and for most of the church, they don't really know anything about it. Um, really the extent of their support is just that the financial secretary writes a check and puts it in the mail. And so the churches that we have that are really doing this well, they, they do a good job of, of keeping that visible in front of their people, celebrating, you know, during their weekend gatherings, Hey, here's, here's a church we're supporting. And here's a video from last weekend when they baptized seven people and we need to celebrate this. And, and I, and I think that's, that's been really important. And so that's something we're, we're working with here. We're kind of piloting something right now, uh, similar to what um, it's already being done. Um, Lamar Duke at the state convention in Alabama has, has yeah. got an adopt a planter program. And, and I have had talked with him about that and had been thinking through kind of a similar thing. And right now we've, we've got a couple of guys kind of piloting something similar. And what we're trying to do is, is really figure out how do we connect these churches beyond just the staff? How do we get lay people um, to engage with these church planners and let really the entire church catch a vision for it mm. and having, you know, whether it's the WMU or having Sunday school classes, maybe adopt a planter's family. Um, oftentimes, you know, a lot of times a planter, especially coming out here, they're moving away from all their friends and all their family. And, and a lot of times people are, are really quick to, to encourage the, the lead guy. And, but a lot of times his wife, there's feelings of isolation, uh, the kids, you know, maybe they're, they're in high school and they're having to leave all of their friends. We had, um, a guy that just moved out here a couple of days ago. I had breakfast with him this morning, just trying to check in and see how his family's adjusting. But when we can get maybe a Sunday school class um, or a small group Bible study that will kind of adopt this guy and say, hey, listen, we're going to send your wife um, a birthday present. We're going to send her a gift card to go to go have a spa day. We're going to send your kids um, a birthday present or a Christmas present, and we're going to send them things just out of the blue to encourage them. Those are ways you can get your entire church um, involved. And, and it really, you have uh, the entire church that begins to catch the vision for church planting. And it's not just the lead pastor or the staff that that's just making a decision that, Hey, we, you know, we think this would be good to support. Yeah. Are you finding in those cases, is there usually a, um, like a, a champion for each church planner or person, or, or is it really just done kind of organically by everybody? Um, it, it's really, really more organically. Um, I think the more, the more people that you can get on board with it and, and the less you have to have one person who's kind of always having to, to bring it up and try to remind everybody, Hey, remember we're supporting this person, you know, the better. So the more people you can involve. And that's, that's, as I was mentioning, the thing we're trying to pilot, we're trying to think, what's that number? How many people do we have to get involved from a church for them to really begin for everybody to really feel like they're a part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and and, and I, I like your idea of maybe like a Sunday school class, you know, in a church like ours, maybe the baby's a little bit larger, you know, having that smaller group like a Sunday school class or a Bible fellowship class coming together and saying, hey, this is going to be our guy. Uh, we've seen some instances of that happen here in our church where a class has adopted uh, a, a church planner or a, or a missionary and said, hey, we're going to do everything we can to support them and like you said, when they kind of come together like that organically, it really, really seems to to make a huge difference. I, I love I love how you yeah. put that. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and well, I think you know the 
as I said, the guys, they really want to know how much money is being put in the mail to, to support them. But, <laughs> but I'm telling you, when, when they get a gift, when they get just anything, you know, out of the blue, that's, that's an encouragement, it really, it really makes a big difference. Um, yeah. so, um, you know, I think that's a great idea. Well, and I love what you said too, about like the kids, you know, like, um, I'm a missionary kid myself. So I grew up in, in mostly in central and South America and, and as a kid for us, Dr. Pepper was really important growing <laughs> up. You know? Yeah. And so if, if we ever got one of those care packages that had Dr. Pepper or Butterfingers or something like yeah. that, you know, it's amazing. It probably only cost the people $5 to buy it. <laughs> of course it may have cost them 20 to ship it, yeah. but, you know, but that made such a huge difference in our lives and just encouragement. So, so I, I, I think that's really awesome what you're saying. Hey, what, what is, you know, share with us maybe a victory, you know, have you seen any, any victories in the field, either as a church planner or now that even now that you're a catalyst, like what's one of the greatest things that you've seen happen? Well, that's, it, it'd really be hard to pick one. I, I, I've had a few people ask me what the, my favorite part of my job is. And I said, well, it's the, the fact that I get to work with so many different guys and church planners, really every week, somebody's texting me to tell me, Hey, we're, we're doing baptism this weekend. And so uh, that's really exciting. We had one of our churches that has planted a, another campus um, just a couple of months in, and they're having their first two baptisms this weekend. Uh, we've had had a church plant that started last fall, and uh, they're already having to have two services. And they're having um, they've had a couple of large baptism services. They just had a, their first group. Uh, they took them up to did a summer camp uh, with their first group of kids. Uh, another one of our church plants, they've probably, they've been going less than a year. They've baptized probably 20 people. And, uh, and so God is just really, um, he's just really working through these, these church planters who many of whom, as I mentioned, they've picked up and left home and, uh, they're moving into places where really, um, I know they're still in the same country, but, um, it's a, it's a totally different area and they are having to think like a missionary in the same way that, uh, a missionary would go and overseas. Uh, they have to, you know, to come and, and really slow down and learn their community and learn the local culture. That's what our guys are, are doing a really good job with. And and like I said, we're having guys who are, I mean, they're baptizing people uh, really every weekend. I'm um, hearing reports from different church planters who are leading people to Christ and, and baptizing people. So it's just been really cool to get to to hear those stories week after week. Oh, that's really, yeah, that talk, I, I'm kind of jealous. I'm sure getting to hear that kind of success story day after day is great. Of course, we know there's challenges. We yeah. talked about that before also, but you know, to hear the successes is really encouraging. The, um, well, hey, what, don't want to miss an opportunity also just to, to pray for you and, and what, what are some of the prayer needs that, that you have right now? Well, um, I'll say personally, first I'll start there. Um, we, as soon as we moved here to Phoenix, uh, my wife and I went through the process to get licensed to do foster care. And so that's something that we've been doing for almost a year now. And, uh, and so, um, that's, that's been really, um, it's just changed our lives in a lot of different ways. Um, really just a roller coaster of emotions when you have these new kids come in and then they leave and then you get it, you know, so that's been really interesting. And, and so we've had a lot of conversations about um, just going forward, just guidance on what does God want our family to look like? Um, really since we, since we started foster care, I don't think we've gone more than three months without having a child come or go. 
And so, uh, so our, every few months, our family's changing, the dynamics are changing. And so, you know, we're trying to figure out what does that look like? Because, you know, in Arizona, there's like 21,000 children who are in the foster care system, which is just um, a really high number. Daunting. And statistically, about 50% of those kids will not be reunited with their parents. And so, um, you know, we're faced with the question of, you know, when, when kids come available for adoption, do we adopt? Do we, you know, and if so, how many and, and which ones? And so that's something just on, on a personal level that, that we're, we're talking about a lot um, and trying to pray through. Um, yeah. But it is, as far as with, you know, with work, um, really just, just praying that God will continue to raise up people um, and call them to, to plant churches here in Phoenix. You know, we're, we're planting, but um, there's, there's about 300 people a day that move to the Phoenix metro area. And so we could plant churches every single day here and, and still not be able to reach all of the lost people. And so, um, and that's something that, that keeps us going. It's something that, you know, it can almost become overwhelming and depressing to think, you know, no matter how many we plant, we're, we're just, you know, are we ever going to be able to catch up with the growth and just a large number of lost people that are here now? Um, mm-hmm. But just continue to, to pray that God will, uh, will raise up people, that he will call people and that they will be obedient and, uh, and step out in faith and, and plant churches. And not just here in Phoenix. You know, I mean, obviously that's where I am and that's um, where my focus is, but it, it's really a need in every large city and even in every small town uh, across the country. Yeah, totally. Well, going back to the foster care thing for just a second, I think uh, I think that you'll really be blessed when you when you come because our church has uh, a ministry called Children's Hope, okay. and as part of that ministry, um, kind of has three areas, you know, but one of them is foster care, and so we've got a number of people in our church that will definitely identify with that. They've either been foster care parents or um, or um, or helped people that are foster care parents, prayed for people that are foster care parents. So they'll, they'll definitely be able to identify with you in a number of areas. So um, I do want to ask and kind of coming up on the 20 minute mark here. So um, this has been so much fun. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but, um, but I do want to always end with this final question. And, and that is what, what is your purpose? Uh, of course, the theme of our, of our GIC this year and, and come up in 2017 is going to be your purpose. And so what, you know what, Jesse, is your purpose? I I would say that that my purpose is to uh, to play um, you know just a small part in in a movement, a gospel movement in Phoenix, Arizona, and and you know and my role is is more to work with pastors and church planters, uh, but I feel like God is constantly reminding me that it's not just to work with those people, but it's myself to be a missionary, and it's for myself to. Um, to start with my own neighbors and to know their names and to know their story and, and to share with them the good news uh, of Jesus Christ and, and that they can have salvation and, and have abundant life, not only for eternity, but here on earth. And so um, that's really what I would say, would say my purpose is, is to be uh, just a small part of, of a gospel movement uh, here in Phoenix. And I'm, I'm confident that, that there's great days ahead here that God is going to continue to bring uh, believers into this city and and grow the churches here to raise up uh, more people from within um, and and years down the road um, we'll look back and and just marvel at what God has been able to do uh, with people who 
are willing to to be obedient. And so um, that I would say my purpose is to just be a small part of that, of, of a gospel movement in this city. Oh, that's awesome. That's perfect. So uh, that's a perfect place to end, I think. So thank you so much. And we really appreciate you taking the time to to be with us here on the podcast and looking forward to having you here with us in person in February at the GIC. And so we'll uh, be praying for you until then, both for your family and the foster care and, and also that God will just continue to raise up people to plant churches there in Phoenix. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me and I uh, look forward to, to spending time with you guys in February. Thanks for listening to The Purpose Podcast. For more information, please visit thepurposepodcast.com.